Do you ever find yourself confused when it comes to health and fitness? Have you been searching relentlessly on the most effective ways to achieve your fitness-related goals, only to find yourself even more frustrated? Well, we've got you covered. It's time to learn from the best, shorten your learning curve, and truly understand how to achieve your goals without spinning your wheels and wasting precious time. Welcome to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast. Welcome back to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast. My name is Mike Perry, not the Platinum Mike Perry from the UFC because, uh, yeah, I'm definitely not him, and uh, he would definitely beat me up. But I am here with Brett Jones. Brett, what's up, buddy? Just a day. Just busy. Work, work. Getting ready for, uh, you know, stuff. Stuff. But it's all good. Good stuff. So, yeah, good stuff. Stuff. Moving forward. Doing stuff. Doing things. So, we are going to talk about stuff today. Um, and the stuff, not double stuff like the Oreos though. I don't uh, like the, yeah, but you know what? It's the ratio. It's too much. I no, feel like the disagree. So wait a minute. I hold mean, on, you, you can be wrong. You can be wrong. <laughs> it's okay. Listen, I feel like it's, you know what it is? It's like the double stuff, too much cream compared to the amount of, of, of cookie or cracker. Right. Uh, that's how I feel. It's like, if you have a bagel with too much cream cheese, it ruins it. Yeah, I disagree. Uh, the I bagel would or the Oreo? Both. I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to put a <laughs> gallon of cream cheese on a bagel for you when I see you, and you're going to eat that damn thing. Yes, I will, because it's <laughs> awesome, especially with um, some everything spice. But here's the contrast with Oreos. Oreo thins, awesome. Oreo double stuff, awesome. Traditional Oreos, just not right. Yeah, but here's the scoop. You have to pay homage to the traditional Oreo because without the traditional Oreo, you would not have the thin or the double stuff. So you can't, you know what I'm saying? Like, you got to think it's lineage, Brett. It's Oreo lineage. I'm fine with the lineage. I just don't have to eat them. Okay. All right. This is again, <laughs> once again, uh, going off the rails. So today we're going to be talking about uh, programming and... We're going to talk about sort of the old school bodybuilding split methodology, you know, back buys, chest tries, shoulders, legs, however you want to split it versus uh, the idea of doing total body workouts um, within each training session. And uh, there are pros and cons to each of them, of course. And, uh, you know, depending on time, adaptations, goals, uh, baggage, um, you know, we, we can hopefully help you decide what's going to be uh you know, a better direction to go. So let's start with, uh, with the old school bodybuilding, right, Brett? Um, you know, it's something that obviously is, has made a huge influence on fitness. And I mean, look at the old magazines, right? Muscle and fitness and, you know, health and fitness and men's health and all the other ones out there. It was a bunch of jacked dudes and and, and women on there that were just, they looked like superheroes. So the, the kind of bodybuilding split, and um, I, I think, you know, if you dig into it a little bit, probably came from this idea that you were going to need to accumulate uh, a pretty large amount of volume in these isolation exercises and specific days for back and buys and, you know, chest and tries, um, 
but then you'd have a shoulder day where everything's involved and kind of ruins the idea that you need your rest periods. And there's a bunch of different things we can get into here, but basically because you had to accumulate uh, a bunch of volume and you're doing four or five, you know, 10 sets of a particular uh, getting in between 10 to 20 plus sets within a particular body part. Um, you just had to split it up. Uh, you were accumulating enough volume to where you were either going to train for four or five hours um, or which is not sustainable or smart, uh, or you were going to split it up. And so this concept of letting enough rest occur so that you get the hypertrophy that you were looking for, um, we won't go down the one set to failure rabbit hole right now. I think we'll save that for a separate podcast. Uh, it'll be a five minute podcast because the, uh, the, the, the title of it will be basically don't do that. Um, but so that's, that's where really this, this came from. Bodybuilders were accumulating a huge amount of volume, doing a lot of sets, took a lot of time. They needed time for recovery because when you overload, uh, a small area like a bicep or a tricep, um, you've got to give it time to recover. And so, you know, that, that was a massive influence on fitness, uh, and strength conditioning for a long time. Um, I, I had Arnold's education of a bodybuilder, um, and Arnold's encyclopedia of bodybuilding. Those were the first two kind of training books that I ever poked my head in. Um, so the, the bodybuilding, um, mindset really came with us for a long time in strength and conditioning. And it, and it, it, it comes and goes in ways. And we'll, we'll separate this out and talk powerlifting versus, uh, um, versus the body part split. But, um, you know, that now funny thing is I have no interest in being a bodybuilder. Um, I have no interest in isolation. Work. Um, we, we had mentioned it when I floated this topic as we were getting on and doing all of our research to get ready for it. Um, you know, my comment was, I don't even know how to think in a body part split or isolation mindset anymore. I just, I'm so far removed for myself personally. Now, I also have backgrounds in athletic trainer, orthopedic evaluation, rehabilitation. There are times where you need to isolate. You need to do a little bit of rotator cuff work. You need to target a hamstring because you have somebody that's having some hamstring issues or, you know, do some Copenhagen planks because you've, you've, determine there's some adductor uh, issues. So there's, there's times where you're going to dive down and do a little bit of isolation work. Um, but yeah, the bodybuilding, uh, certainly a massive influence and uh, something I don't even know how to think of like anymore. Yeah. And uh, you know, what I want you to think about is, is sort of a, you know, in fitness, right. Those splits, the like Brett said, the goal was bodybuilding and hypertrophy. So I want you to think if you're, if you're thinking in splits and the way that you program, you're thinking you're, you're sort of by default thinking the adaptation that I'm looking for is hypertrophy, right? Because like, why would you do it any other way? If you're going to do a bunch of chest and tries, like that's kind of a body bodybuilding methodology. So generally speaking, right. If you're thinking splits, you're thinking adaptation or goal is probably hypertrophy because, um, if that's not it, then maybe you need to think about how you're programming. But so Brett, let's go over some of the pros and cons of, 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 uh, the split right now, because, um, there are some great things about it and there are some not so great things about it. And I'm not saying that it's wrong or right. It's just, you have to understand, you know, what the adaptations and or 
potential repercussions are when it comes to 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 using splits. So, you know, for example, if you're looking to put on a bunch of size splits and 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 build muscle, literally put on muscle mass, um I would argue that splits are a very 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 good choice. You know, you can you can sort of you know, you can take all of those components of muscle building that we're really starting to see with the works of like Brad Schoenfield and Dr. Mike Israel. These guys are saying like, look, as far as we know, these are the triggers for hypertrophy. And a lot of it is, you know, mechanical load and, and time under tension and all that other stuff. And, and, you know, body parts, uh, sort of check that box, right? You're going to, you're going to hammer sort of one muscle group for, for a certain amount of time, et cetera. So you have to think about sort of the adaptations, right? And that's what that is. That's what hypertrophy training is. It's, it's, that's your goal. But, um, at the same time, what there, what if that isn't your goal, right? You're going to be sore. If you do, you know, four or five sets of 10 of chest of something of each exercise, and you do three to four different exercises, that's, you know, 120, 130 repetitions of chest, you're going to be really, really sore. Well, guess what? That delayed onset muscle soreness is going to stick around for three to five days. If it's really, really bad. What if you're a throwing athlete? How good is that going to feel if you're in that layback position and your chest is so darn sore that you can't even outstretch your arm? Then you're going to change the way that you move because it's going to hurt and it's going to alter everything. So that is a potential sort of negative component of doing splits like that. You're going to get super sore. And if you're an athlete that needs to perform day in and day out, I don't think splits are a good choice. 100%. Um, you know, if, if we throw this back into let's go back into the 1950s, uh, considered to be a golden era of bodybuilding and physical culture uh, in the in the U.S. And uh, even fast forward into the 70s where Arnold and Franco Colombo and, and um, a lot of these guys were, were out there. A lot of these guys were as strong as they looked. Um, especially when you come back into the fifties and you, you're talking about the pre-steroid era and, um, uh, where a lot of quote bodybuilders were performers as well. And so, you know, they were, um, they would have periods of time where they emphasized physique, uh, and they'd have periods of time where they'd emphasize more of a powerlifting style training, go back, go way back and talk about Eugene Sandow. And some of the old uh, Earl Lederman and, and some of the old school um, uh, strength athletes, um, they were performers as well. They, they're, they're, I'm talking old school uh, strongman performer where they're in the uh, the 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 uh, they've either just got a fig leaf on, or they've got you know some sort of uh, animal print, uh, animal skin uh, like draped over type themselves. Thing, yeah, exactly. You know, old school, but they're up on stage performing. And so, you know, when you, and when you're up on stage performing, let's say you're having to knock out um, a friend of mine was listening to a Joe Rogan podcast with uh, Hulk Hogan. Uh, he did 400 events one year. He was doing matinees and evenings and he did over 400 events one year. That is unbelievable to me. So you tell me that he's, he needs to go in the gym and get super sore and then potentially have a problem during a performance. Uh, strongman, the old time strongmen who were also performing also figured out I need to lift in a way that has me looking the way I want to look on stage, but also able to perform these feats of strength potentially two or three times a day for three to five days out of a week so they could eat and make a living. 
um, fast forward into the 70s and, the, and, and beyond. Now we start talking about the steroid era has hit. Now, now you're able to accumulate volume um, that it doesn't even make sense <laughs> how much volume you can accomplish when you have a little bit of supplemental uh, assistance in, in recovery. Uh, so, but yet the, that switch over from classic old school uh, strongmen like Liederman and uh, Sandow uh, to um, the golden age, Dave Draper, when he first got into into bodybuilding, he was kind of in that transitional phase from the golden era of the fifties into the into the seventies, and then you get into the the seventies, and now you're talking about the uh, <clears throat> supplemented um, era where um, you know there's uh, massive volume and these body part splits are, are happening. Yet Franco Colombo was still competing in powerlifting. Uh, Arnold had a background in powerlifting, and but the the what what comes out of that is is this um the body part splits the volume that they're accomplishing um so to everybody who's not a bodybuilder and isn't <clears throat> supplementing and um we've run into some real problems with the volume intensity and and everything that they're accomplishing so the um yeah i i, I kind of went on down a rabbit hole there because it's it's a it's a really interesting progression from these uh, performing strongman to the golden era of the 50s to where things went and how influential that became in strength and conditioning i mean there's there's a wide swath of the population out there that thinks you only you of course you train with body part splits and of course you're emphasizing your biceps and your triceps and your calves and you're doing, you know, five different chest exercises because you have to hit upper, lower, inner, outer, uh, um, yeah. pack and, and yeah. And, I and, just... and again, to me, it's, it's a time thing too, right? I mean, it, that if you're going to hit splits and you want to get the adaptations from the splits, you're going to be in the gym for a while, man. Cause you just, it's just going to take time to lift and recover, right? Everyone thinks, Oh, it doesn't take that time to lift, but yeah, if you're going to be recovering for two minutes in between every exercise and you're doing, you know, you're doing 30 sets or something ridiculous, you're plan on spending an hour just resting. Like if you were to add up all the sort of the minute intervals, right. Um, so yeah. it just takes time. So that's one of the drawbacks as well. Um, but, you know, as far as sort of adaptations go, there are a few things that are beneficial as well when it comes to doing splits is localized muscular endurance. Um, you know, when bodybuilders are going to failure on uh, on various types of exercises, uh, they are going to develop over time a ton of localized muscular endurance in that area. And for certain people, that could be a good thing. You'll actually notice that there's a lot of grapplers out there jujitsu that, that train like bodybuilders guys like Gordon Ryan and, 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 and Nikki Rodriguez. And, and the, the interesting thing is, is these guys, um, the way that they train is, is very interesting because they train their upper body, like a bodybuilder, right? They, they train their upper body, like a bodybuilder because they want to be strong. They want to be jacked. And they, you know, obviously they're, they're powerful, strong dudes and they're very, very, uh, very, very talented, but you'll notice that their lower body is very, very, um, very, very leaned out and very, very thin. And that's actually on purpose because they want their legs to be as mobile as possible for submissions, et cetera. Um, but my point is, is that there, there's a carryover. People wouldn't necessarily think that bodybuilding would have a carryover to Brazilian jiu-jitsu. But if you think about Brazilian jiu-jitsu and when you get really tired, a lot of the times it's your arms are heavy. It's because 
you're not acclimated to that localized muscular endurance. And I will say a bunch of buys and, uh, you know, a bunch of bicep curls and a bunch of grip work and a bunch of tricep work. If you do that and you grapple, you might have an advantage, but there's also disadvantages that come with that, like the delayed onset muscle soreness. So again, it's just, it's a, you know, what are you willing to sort of manage? Um, and, and those are some of the main things as far as, uh, so body parts go right. And doing those splits, um, before we go into the total body workouts, Brett, anything else you want to add? Well, uh, two things, uh, absolute respect for anybody that takes on bodybuilding physique oh, yeah. competition. It's hard, the, man. the level of dedication towards nutrition, lifestyle, and, and the work that they do nothing but respect. Um, it's just not how I think, and it's not how 99.999% of the people I've ever worked with have any interest in. So total respect, but it's just not what I do. The other version of a split is upper lower days, right? Where you're going to go in and you're going to do an upper body day and you're going to do a lower body day. Um, or you're training more in a powerlifting fashion where you're going to have a squat bench and deadlift day. Um, and so there's, there's other versions of quote splits that are somewhat non full body related that kind of split the difference. But now if I do a lower body day and I accumulate enough volume to really, um, make it a lower body day, um, what am I going to be doing for the next two, three days as an athlete? Uh, not much, <laughs> So if, if my goal is to have this quote, lower body day and then run sprints, do skill drills, do things that I need to do from an athletic standpoint, I'm probably going to hamper my ability to recover and, and make progress for the next two, three days after that intense lower body session to your point of throwers and, and athletes that need to be able to use their upper body. Uh, that intense upper body session is probably going to lead to two to three days where we're not really effective in training for that. So, um, but, uh, and to pull back to the, the powerlifting conversation for just a moment, um, you can look at a, but there's a bunch of different strategies, you know, classic American powerlifting and cycling. Uh, you would have three main training days a week. You'd have a squat bench and dead day, and you would be doing a good bit of work, uh, for those lifts and assistance exercises, um, for those lifts on those particular days. Um, and if you were trying to go up a weight class, you'd probably have a period of time during the off your off competing season where you were actually doing some bodybuilding to put on some muscle and hypertrophy and, um, maintain your, your, your main goal lifts. So this, this middle phase, mi middle option, I guess not phase, but this, this middle option of we're not truly doing body part splits, but we're not truly doing quote full body total body sessions. Um, there, there's, uh, there can be again, pros and cons to hitting those midpoints. Um, but th that's kind of the, the gray area. Can we call it a gray area? I don't you know. You can call it, it just a different want, area. Right? I can you call, can it, call it, you could call it pumpkin spice feelings if you wanted to. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you wanted to call it that, you could totally call it that. I do um, get pumpkin spice feelings from, uh, from power, uh, powerlifting training. See, that's going to be on your next iron cardio shirt. Um, total body strength training, right? And and there's, look, there's a bunch of ways that you can do it, right? You could do it like, you know, we talk about iron cardio. I mean, 
iron cardio is a perfect example of, of sort of total body lifting, but it's a very, very sort of, I don't want to say that it's a, it's a, I guess it is a little bit of a uh, sort of non-traditional methodology because um, mm -hmm. when I started to learn about total body, uh, you know, splits, it was more of that functional training approach, right? Where you do, um, you know, sometimes it's simple as an upper, lower, upper, lower, right? You got an A block and a B block and you could do, you know, upper body push like a push up, and you could do a lower body pull like a deadlift, right? If you wanted to really think about it, you could go into horizontal push pull if you wanted to. It doesn't matter uh, to me. I actually don't think it really matters in the grand scheme of things at the beginning. I just think exposure does. But And it's the same thing with sort of the second block. Maybe you do a split stance pattern, right? Split squat. And maybe you do uh, a chin up or something like that. And that's sort of how I learned to do it is you'd kind of pick an upper and a lower and an upper and a lower. And depending on, you know, time goals, you just kind of, you know, put it together, but it's, it's, uh, it's, it's actually very, very simple. And I think at the beginning, when you are doing those, those, uh, total body days, I think you don't have to worry too, too much about any type of, you know, interference and contraindications, you know, because I think for, for newbies, it's not going to make a difference, right? If you, if you pair a pull-up with a deadlift with a newbie, you're not going to have to worry about frying their nervous system in their grip. It's just not going to happen. But now you work with someone down the road that's lifting really heavy. You wouldn't want to program those things. So that's when it gets a little bit more detailed, but look, um, you know, to start off with just pick an upper and a lower, you know, maybe do a push and a pull and do the same thing with the second block or third block. And there you have it. And, uh, it's pretty simple stuff, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, and that can be, um, even somewhat more simplistic is just have a good focus on some big compound lifts, mm -hmm. um, squat, military press, deadlift, bench press, mm -hmm. um, go, go really large compound movements that check a lot of boxes, uh, fill in some gaps with a little bit of, uh, you know, single leg work, um, unilateral work. And, you know, you can, you can put together a, a super simple program. Um, you know, having simple and sinister, tell me which body part split you're plugging that into, um, swings and get-ups, you know, you're, you're checking a lot of boxes, you're hitting a lot of muscles, you're hitting, um, you know, I just, I, I, my brain, I, I don't, I don't even think in terms of what muscle am I hitting anymore. Um, I think about the pattern that I'm training and I, in training those patterns, I know a lot of muscles are coming along with me. Uh, when I clean squat and press and snatch within an iron cardio sequence, I, I can't think of a muscle that I've missed. Um, when I, when I hit simple and sinister, I like yesterday, I, the genius that I am, I uh, haven't touched the 48 kilo in a while. So uh, yesterday I go out and do, you know, five one arm swings on the minute for 20 minutes. And uh, I feel my entire body today uh so you know i i'm just i'm outside of that that conversation and i and i think that uh when you when you talk to people who are not currently exercising uh the confusion that they feel over trying to put together a program that hits all the body parts or full body or bodybuilding or i want to train like an athlete i want to train functionally you're having the wrong conversation like how do we how do we get folks exercising um, is, is, is where my head's at. And, um, so yeah, I think that, uh, for the, for the full body conversation, I'm, I'm a fan. 
um, of both what you talked about as far as pairing some A's and B's and upper lower uh, alternating. And I'm also a fan of uh, the the large compound movement focus mm -hmm. that that targets and focuses what you're what you're trying to do. Probably leaves time for some conditioning at the end of the day. Um, and then I'm also a fan of just not even thinking about it. Yeah. And doing, uh, working the patterns, you know, work my pushes, pulls, uppers, lowers, um, in in big compound movements, and uh, the muscle you'll check the box on the muscles if you do these large compound movements and put them together. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, with the right programming and the the right intensity, yeah. I mean, you can you can um, you can get the similar adaptations. It's just going to come a little bit differently. And um, you know, I think the really, you know, the pros of total body training is one, um, you can train more frequently throughout the week because you don't have that delayed onset muscle soreness. Um, you may have a little bit, but, um, one of the things that I've found is that when I do train like that and I'm consistent, I'm rarely sore. I'm rarely sore because my body is adapted to all those movements. Um, and, and, uh, you know, I will say this, uh, if you do do a change in a program when you're doing total body to total body, um, you know, like let's say month, one from, you know, to month two, maybe a few things will change sets and reps, exercises, whatever you decide. Um, usually if there's a change in exercise or stimulus, there's going to be a little bit more delayed onset muscle soreness. And, and that just happens with new programs for personal training. And with, uh, even like our adult group training program, we, you know, we, we add in some new things or introduce a very, very different set rep scheme than what they're acclimated to. And they're like, wow, we're really, really sore. So that's not the goal. It's just, that's because they have a very, very different stimulus as well. So, um, you know, there's a lot of factors, uh, you know, that go into it, but, um, you know, I think, I think what you'll end up seeing is when you first get acclimated to compound movements, like a kettlebell swing, for example, you know, I mean, I've been teaching kettlebells for gosh, a very, very long time, not as long as Brett, but I mean, I can't tell you how many times people say, well, what does this work? And I say, you'll know within the next one to two days <laughs> because, you know, they're like my butt and my hamstrings and my abs were absolutely you know, uh, just absolutely smoked in my back. Now, now look, before, before you, you freak out and talk about back being sore, their muscles, the, the muscles in their back were worked. Therefore they were sore. So it's, you know, soreness in the low back is not necessarily a bad thing. It's just a, a response to depending on load and, and volume. So, but my point is, is that, um, if you're new to this stuff, you will notice that you will notice during the compound movements, what muscle groups that exercise biased, right? So yeah, if you want to work chest, you can do chest flies and that will really target the chest, but you can do bench press and you're going to get chest. You're going to get front delt. You're going to get tricep, right? So depending on how you do it and how you execute it, um, you're going to have a little bit of a bias that way. So, um, you know, it's all blended together. It's all part of the movement. And that's, that's why we're huge fans of, of movements because that's how we function. We, we function via movements, not isolation. And that is why, uh, you know, we're just huge fans of training compound movements and training total body. Cause it really does check a ton of boxes. It's efficient and it works really well. So I think that's a pretty good, pretty good argument for, for training total body. Absolutely. Plus, uh, you can go do everything else that you want to be doing. Um, yeah, if, exactly. if you're a bodybuilder and your, your quote job is to hypertrophy and bodybuild and, and try to bring up a certain area of your body for posing purposes and, and different things like that. Okay, cool. 
Like that's your, that's your job. That's what you're trying to do. Well, now give me a soccer player. Yeah. You know, give me a, give me a football player. Give me a gymnast. Give me a, um, you know, wh- whatever um, somebody, uh, give me an L- uh, law enforcement officer for first responder. The worst thing in the world I can do for them is crush them with a, uh, a body part split. And they like are too sore to effectively do their job. Yeah. Um, it, it, you can set up some real nightmare scenarios. So I think the, and again, this is just, uh, 25 plus years down the road of uh, just <laughs> uh, there's there. Yeah. You know, what do you know? What do I know? Um, <laughs> actually I just put in my perform better, uh, presentation, uh, idea and it's, uh, 22 years with a kettlebell is the name uh, of the talk. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, whatever. Yeah. That's just, that's 22 years certified. It's Wait till I put mine plus. in about the kettlebell and it's going to be a competition. Who gets more attendees? <laughs> I'm going to tell Corey to put us next to each other. You, if it's with kettlebells, you'll win. I don't want to. I don't want to come to that dance. Um, if it was on MMA, I got you. But uh, kettlebells, no. <laughs> so, yeah, so, uh, so I think you know, knowing that your training should serve. Uh, Adam Pierre said this. I'm going to keep saying this um, for the next. I'm going to give him credit for about two more weeks, and then I'm going to say it was my idea. Um, and I'll paraphrase what he said: Your strength should serve your life. And so your training should enhance your life. It is not the goal of your life um, unless you actually get paid to train. Um, so yeah, total body, big compound movements. I don't even think in terms of body parts anymore till I need to. Uh, there is still room for that conversation. So um, yeah. Cool. Splits versus total body versus compound. Yeah. There you have it. Well, Good to chat with you, Brett. It's always awesome. fun, my friend. Thanks, man. Anywho, <laughs> friends, thank you for listening. We truly appreciate it. Um, if you enjoyed this podcast, do us a huge favor and, uh, you know, send us some chocolates or something like that. Just send us something cool. No, I'm just I'm just messing with you. Uh, do us a big favor and uh, give us a positive review on whatever platform you're listening to, or you could send it to your friends, coaches, colleagues, whomever doesn't really matter, but uh, thank you guys. We appreciate you and we'll see you on the next episode. Hey friends, thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, we're going to ask you for a favor. Please leave us some positive reviews. Be sure to subscribe and share with your friends, family, and colleagues. Thanks again for listening to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast.